Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Excited to be with you uh, for another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. We're going to get into a few interesting developments, uh, things coming from the White House, uh, some news developing out of Attorney General Barr's office to the rise of automation uh, with Uber and electric vehicles as a whole. Two recent developments coming from the James uh, Franco case, or James Franco, I should say, camp uh, to the status of the U.S. economy. It's going to be an amazing episode, and I look forward uh, to engaging with you. Article by Cyrus uh, Fairvar, uh, Attorney General Barr. Uh, in his dealings with Facebook, we need lawful access to users' digital messages to fight crime. Uh, Facebook is acknowledging the needs of lawful enforcement, but wants to protect its users from unwanted snooping. The Department of Justice uh, published an open letter Thursday evening asking Facebook to alter its plan to fully encrypt Facebook messages or messaging services such as Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram, and a move to the company announced in March. Attorney General William Barr, Acting Homeland Security Secretary Kevin Mick uh, Allen, according uh, and along with two top law enforcement officials from Australia and the United Kingdom, are urging the tech giant to ensure that the law enforcement agents have means to access conversations when authorized by a judge. Companies should not deliberately design their systems to preclude uh, any form of access to content, even of preventing or investigating most serious crime, the letter argues. It goes on to state that this puts our citizens and societies at risk by severely eroding a company's ability to detect and respond to illegal content and activities, such as uh, child sexual exploitation and abuse, terrorism, and foreign adversaries, attempts to undermine democratic values and institutions, preventing the prosecution of offenders and safeguarding of victims. It also impedes law enforcement's ability to investigate these and other serious crime. Barr goes on to state uh, that they're expected to speak at a lawful access summit about the warrantproof encryption and its impact on exploitation cases at the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C., in recent years, Department of Justice officials have not fully explained how they would achieve the end goal they seek through federal law or executive authority, and there has been no substantive movement in Congress. The letter goes on to proclaim that uh, there is resistance with Silicon Valley, including the Computer and Communications Industry Association, an advocacy group of tech firms, including Facebook, that strong encryption is increasingly vital to the privacy and security of individuals, national security, and economic prosperity. Stated by Ed Black, CCIA's president said in a statement that companies should be encouraged to develop and employ the security standards uh, that the public expects for their devices and online activity. Caps off by uh, stating that meanwhile, in recent weeks, a host of technical and legal experts convened uh, by the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace concluded that there should eventually be some middle ground on the issue and encouraged advocates to continue to find a meaningful solution to the problem. Uh, my thoughts, so it's really a combination between personal privacy and uh, security. Obviously, there has to be a protection of freedom of speech to a certain extent, uh, but there has to be consistent and constant monitoring. Freedom of speech does not give you the right to be evil. It does not give you the right to be destructive. It does not give you the right to employ such practices that could possibly cause harm to others in any way, shape, or format. Uh, with that being said, uh, now it comes, it can really get kind of gray uh, and, and hairy when it comes to the interpretation of information. Uh, I do believe that 
these tech giants need to allow messages to be encrypted for governmental use as far as anything that raises any type of red flags. If something is of utter importance, uh, this should be a national issue and should always act in the best uh, interest of the uh, citizens as a whole, uh, the security of all individuals. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I always say, uh, don't post it, right? Like just, you know, the, the, a public platform where there shouldn't be, um, anything should not be used to bring, nothing I should say should be used to bring any type of destruction or harm. And, and public platforms should be a vehicle of positive, display and positive emotion and and great cause and philanthropy and excitement uh the problem is unfortunately there have been individuals who have abused these platforms and have allowed it to create an altar of disgusting material but when you use things properly you always get proper results therefore they need to come to a compromise and understand that security is a concern uh, and if something is potentially hazardous, it has to be analyzed. Uh, and the analytical uh, message needs to be committed, uh, communicated to the end users. So if you go to post anything, subscribe to any platform, that should always be in the back of one's mind that, hey, uh, this is to promote good. Um, and anything that subverts that good and the, the cause of forward movement within the nation um, will be red flagged, analyzed, scrutinized, and criminalized. Uh, and I think that understanding can be palpable and easily digested. So I don't see that there is uh, an imbalance here. I don't see that there is a difference um, or something that could cause friction. I think it's just a matter of uh, messaging. And I think messaging is utterly important. Article by Alex Johnson. James Franco has been accused of harassment, sexual harassment, and suit by forming former acting students. Uh, they claim that the actor and his production company promised women better jobs, opportunities for uh, appearing in explicit news sex scenes. Uh, Alex Johnson, Andrew Blankstein, and uh, Diana Dasrith goes on to state the two women who attended the Oscar nominees, James Franco's acting school, sued him and his production company Thursday, alleging that the actor and his partner sexually harassed and discriminated against them and other female students. The lawsuit filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court by Sarah uh, Tither Kaplan and Tony Gale seeks class action status for themselves and an unspecified number of other similarly situated women who attended classes at Studio 4. At the school that Franco ran from 2014 to 2017, Franco, 41, uh, who was nominated for an Academy Award as Best Actor for the 2010 film 127 Hours, closed the school in October 2017 after multiple women accused him of such things. Thither Kaplan, uh, who has appeared in several short films in Franco's 2014 and 2017 TV series, Making a Scene with James Franco, was one of those women, uh, Gail, who has appeared in several movies and TV series, uh, hadn't previously been mentioned in the connection with the allegations. The suit seeks uh, unspecified compensatory punitive damage at trial, as well as royalties and other compensation for work the women did for Franco's production company, Rabbit uh, Bandini. Franco's business partners, Vince uh, Jovalet and Jay Davis, are named as co-respondents along with Franco 
and rabid fan. Dini, um, sad and disappointed. Uh, I think uh, it's first and foremost uh, to live in a world where women are abused and exploited uh, for their bodies. Um, they're not treated as equals. Um, is utterly disgusting. Uh, for James Frankel to have, um, and, I, and I understand that these are alleged crimes, but to have operated a facility in which these practices uh, were allowed uh, is disappointing to say the least. Um, interesting to see what's going to come out of uh, this trial, of these allegations. Um, but definitely uh, keep an eye on this one and want to see Hollywood want to see the world do better and really start valuing people and really focus on positive energy, positive vibes, and not um, these things that really uh, make it not cool, right? These things that are utterly disgusting. Uber just launched an app to connect temporary workers with jobs. Lester Newcomb goes on to state that the launch of Uber Works comes as the ride-hailing company has been struggling to turn a profit. Uber was one of the pioneers of the gig economy, but now as the company is aiming to help more people find other flexible shift work through an app that acts as a staffing agency, the new app Uber Works allows people looking for work to find opportunities in customer service, cooking, cleaning, and manual labor. Workers will be able to compare job locations, conditions, pay, and hours before signing up for a job. According to an announcement, Uber's work is currently only available in Chicago. People who download the app will undergo a background check in an in-person screening process, ensuring the employers receive vetted and qualified employees. Workers will be able to track their hours, including breaks in the app, and they'll be paid through True Blue or Talent Burst, the two third-party staffing agencies. We believe Uber goes on to say that we believe in a more efficient marketplace. We'll also support businesses by providing a reliable pool of vetted and qualified workers. Uber Works can help businesses reduce scheduling headaches, weather seasonal variations, and staff up for unexpected demand. According to Uber's statement, many will appreciate the additional opportunity for work, says Teresa uh, Guetta, a future work expert and founder of 30 Minute MBA, workplace consulting company. If you are a night owl, choosing work that allows you to have a later rhythm can increase your overall performance. Kind of my thoughts. So, as... Uh, we enter into the fourth industrial uh, revolution or fourth economic revolution as economies evolve, as technology becomes more and more advanced and automation uh, becomes more of the norm and less of the exception. Uh, staffing, especially for uh, non-permanent or non-long-term or long-tenured roles, will be basically reduced to an algorithm. Uh, unfortunately, uh, apps mm -hmm. have replaced personalities. Convenience has replaced uh, human care. Uh, efficiency is preferred over uh, energy. <laughs> so... You know, for the and 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 there's pros to it, and I don't want to get too sardonic and uh, totally go against um, rising trends and rising tides. Uh, I think uh, you know, if you're looking for just a quick gig and want to pick up, you know, something as a side hustle and pick up a few extra dollars and 
want something and you're not trying to go through the process of, you know, going through LinkedIn and emailing recruiters and this long thing for something that you don't really have a long-term investment into is probably the perfect solution. Uh, this is quick, fast, and furious. Um, the problem, I think, with this is, yes, you go through a screening process. Yes, yes, yes. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm sure there'll be a rating system depending on the job performance and everything. You basically can see who you're getting. But there will be a disruption in culture because there will be no allegiance to anything. Um, there is something to be said when things are purely done off of convenience and transaction. Uh, because if things ever go down or a rainy day comes, you know, all will jump ship. You have to work for something more than the paycheck. You have to believe, at least to me, in the vision of the company and, and the, the model and the mission and the aim. No company is perfect. Yes, that's true. But you have to believe in the product. You have to believe in the overall desire and vision because that's going to be the thing that keeps you going. Now, obviously, this is for just temp you know, direct to hire, you know, fast and furious, not long scalable, you know, where do I see myself in five years growing with the company? This is not looking for health uh, benefits and stock options. This is looking for uh, just quick revenue to be made. So uh, I think on the short end, this is going to be an amazing add-on for Uber. Uh, it's interesting to see Uber kind of go in this space. <laughs> Uh, really diversifying his portfolio on the long end. I wonder um, how this starts to play really in the marketplace uh, and really uh, starts to deal with a lot of your uh, non high wage earning uh, results, but we'll see in the developments from over uh, will be something as a test case study. Great article by Fred Embert of CNBC. Uh, the Dow is on pace uh, for the worst week so far this year. The fiscal year 2019, as more data shows, the economy is growing weaker than expected. Stocks have dropped to their lows of the day on Thursday after the release of the disappointing economic data added fuel to Wall Street's fears over the global recession. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has declined in its uh, numbers um, to drop to a trade of 331 points lower or 1.3%. The S&P 500 slid 1.1% while the NASDAQ Composite was down 1.1%. Thursday's losses brought the Dow three-day decline to more than 1,100 points, adding to the uh, Wall Street's dismal start to the fourth quarter. The weakness in manufacturing has raised concerns of the U.S.-China trade war impact on the economy. The conflict started last year. Since then, China and the U.S. have slapped tariffs on billions of dollars worth of their products. Delegations from Washington and Beijing are due to meet next week in hope of finding a consensus. In other trade news, the White House has announced it will impose 10% tariffs on European made Airbus planes, 25% duties on French wine, scotch, and Irish whiskeys, along with cheese from across the continent. So my thoughts, obviously, 
uh, the tariffs, the embargoes, the sanctions, the uh, protectionism or isolation of U.S. economic barriers to counteract uh, what was originally purported or 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 campaigned as um, uh, being taken advantage of has led to this now uh, decrease in economic global uh, slowdown of progress. No. The United States is not officially slipping into a, a recession. The global economy is not officially slipping into a recession, but the warning signs are there. Yes, should a country protect its national interest, uh, I think that goes without saying, but protectionism cannot evolve to the point where it becomes uh, mm-hmm. a detriment and truly a deterrent toward global growth and cooperation. Uh, you can't hide behind the walls of protection protectionism uh, without understanding that everything now is tied together. Obviously, you want to create opportunity for uh, local economies, for local companies to compete. Uh, first on a local level, then uh, national level, geographical level, but uh, global level eventually. But But there has to be the understanding that world citizenship is intertwined now. Uh, now and because it's intertwined if you go after any entity the backlash will negatively impact you Um, yes uh, there should be some sense of taxation but to the point that it actually creates a penalty and discourages uh, trade and mutual cooperation is the wrong step Uh, so this now is creating an economic slide and because the U.S. is no longer the powerhouse uh, that it once was, and you have global emerging economies that are just on pace, are on a fast track for you know global expansion and economic revolution and prosperity, you can't you know rest on your laurels. Uh, I think the focus has to be how do we all win? Uh, first at home, or I should say on the state level, the national level, then the global level, and and in that order. Uh, without uh, becoming a you versus me, uh, us versus them mentality. And if that is properly assessed and implemented, uh, then you shall continue, I believe, in global economic progress. Great article by Paul uh, Essenstein. Electric vehicles pose a real risk for auto workers uh, with fewer parts, fewer jobs. Required the industry-wide shift to electric vehicles signals a monumental change in the ways cars are manufactured, with fewer parts required, fewer workers needed for assembly. The matter is one of the issues at the heart of the ongoing strike between the United Automobile Workers Labor Union and GM, which entered into its third week. Now, electric vehicles pose the real risk to traditional auto workers. Jennifer Kelly. Uh, states that the research director of UAW said earlier this year during a collective bargaining conference in Detroit, hybrid cars combine electric drive hardware with a conventional and internal combustion engine and require more labor, about 9.2 man hours compared to 6.2 with typical gas vehicle. But all electric vehicles uh, that cuts that down to 3.7 hours. Mark uh, Wakefield, head of the automotive practice of consultation, uh, consultation of uh, consultancy of Alex Partners told NBC News that while a battery pack is quite complex, 
and its delivery. It is largely automated process, further reducing manpower needs, said the automotive analyst John McElroy. Complicating matters with most automakers uh, producing their own internal combustion engines, uh, this has led uh, to a reduction in the need for uh, man hours, largely farm out batteries and battery packs to a small uh, handset of instrumentation. Uh, while most automakers are moving toward this uh, industry shift, uh, Japan's Panasonic and South Korea's LG Chem, many of those facilities are based overseas. There's pressure to bring production to the U.S., but even that could hit workers. GM would like to build a battery plant in Ohio. Uh, but to make it competitive, GM has told UAW this would require hourly employees to take pay cuts. Automakers like GM won't be the only ones to feel the impact of the shift to Electric vehicles, conventional operations, uh, powertrain suppliers, and their workers are particularly at risk if they can't convert operations to supply battery car components. The jobs impact of the shift to electric vehicles will be felt far beyond the confines of the factory. From car dealer service departments to fueling stations, electric cars require far less service, knowing that you'll no longer need oil changes or oil filters, no fan belts or tune-ups, even brakes, he added. It will, it will last longer because EVs use a system called regenerative braking while energy is recaptured and returned to a vehicle's battery, reducing wear on the brake pads and other parts. Today's gas-powered vehicles already require less maintenance in the past for oil changes. Once we're required every 3,000 miles or so, typically now it's 7,500 miles. So some of my thoughts as technology is increasingly becoming more uh, improved, uh, more evolved, more AI-driven, more nuanced, as it is impacting every sector. Uh, Obviously, transportation uh, is the next wave to hit. Um, A couple things. One, you have uh, mass development. So because of urban development and the need to um, get to someplace quicker and more conveniently, cars are needed, but cars have to be more efficient in the transportation. Uh, Because of traffic, all of a sudden now, you know, uh, there has to be an increased demand for public transportation. So if one were to purchase a vehicle, it has to be substantive. Cars need to do more things. They need to be more laptop-like and less uh, horse and buggy-like. They need to reduce the carbon and eventually eliminate carbon footprints. They need to be safer. They need to be more green. Uh, And when cars have to take on a multifaceted role, obviously the type of workers and skilled laborers become more of scientists uh, and and AI-driven engineers than manufacturers uh so that's one aspect of it the second aspect of it is a car increases in its own self-sufficiency uh and efficiency being the key word uh there's less demand for the usual uh uptake and upkeep of a car as stated in the article you don't need to get the oil change it doesn't run on oil you don't need 
drip lace the brake pads ever so often. Um, it's reducing in its own shock. It has shock absorbing technology. Uh, it can diagnose itself. So going to a diagnostic lab or using instrumentation of such mm -hmm. becomes archaic. Uh, basically, the car can repair itself. And because the parts become mass produced, it becomes cheaper and therefore more replaceable. And then the need to keep a car three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years becomes reduced. Now, like a laptop or like an iPhone or phone period, it's all about the newest model, the latest and greatest technology. Therefore, uh, leasing or car subscriptions uh, become more of the norm and owning a car and financing it and paying it off in five years, five to seven years is uh, more of a thing of the past. So, the need to have this uh, bulky object sitting in the garage as a mainstay uh, becomes more of a thing of personalized expression. And because it becomes more of a thing of personalized expression and not competitive drive, whereas maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, having the cool car, you know, washing it down, uh, having a muscle car, having a fast car, something of that um, niche uh, was the norm. Now it's not about American muscle, it's about leanness, it's about a sculpted almost figure. It's just a shift, I think, in mindset. So there, there's really two things working simultaneously. is a shift in technology, a shift in culture, is a shift uh, in, in the view of, of green and understanding the need to save our planet and, and, and really making uh, environmentally conscious uh, machinery. Uh, but also, the, I think there's a shift in demand. Uh, you know, there's a shift in understanding of what a car means. You know, a car it used to be, you know, you'd grow up and it'd be the family car and you'd pass it down from one generation to the other. Now it's, hey, I want the ability to upgrade. So with that being said, the need for maintenance dramatically decreases because cars need to be recyclable. They need to be able to transfer parts and be scrapped and be updated constantly with new add-ons. Uh, so the car becomes more of an app uh, than a personal computer. Uh, so with this, all these things are affecting the need. But as the old adage goes, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Because you keep having evolution, 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 shift, 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 shift eventually you become full circle. So I do not see the elimination of the car manufacturer. I just see that there needs to be a shift in how the worker is applied. I don't think that there needs to be pay cuts. I think manufacturers and the car companies have to understand you have to take care of your employees and employees must come first, that people matter. All people matter. Uh, and when you can position them and reposition them so that everybody feels the full uh, wave of prosperity there will be this ultimate glow and growth from it uh, so i don't think this is a deterrent i think this is an opportunity to capitalize on if all parties come to the table with that in mind This has been another great episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. Uh, if you like, you want to support uh, this podcast, you can subscribe to it via the Anchor app. Also 
on Patreon. I'd love to hear from you, connect with you. Follow me on IG at CVMK33 and Twitter's life at Twitter at Cody's Life One. I'd love to kind of hear your thoughts and just feedback of the recording. Let me know what you want me to cover. I'd love to engage with you. I'd love to connect. Till next time. Thanks. Thank you.